Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Moms No Fluff. I'm Alma Schneider, and I'm here with my partner, Iris Meller. And we are very happy to have you here today. If this is your first time with Two Moms No Fluff, we want to give an extra special welcome to you and hope that uh, you'll get some support here. Iris, would you like to? Hello, Alma. (laughs) Alma, today I wanted to talk about sleep or maybe more specifically sleep deprivation. This Mm -hmm. is a, a, a topic close to heart. As you know, we have struggled through 13 and a half years of having to carry the burden of a night shift and uh, many, many years day shift as well without Mm -hmm. uh, any help. And uh, as you know, it's very, very hard to function without sleep. I wanted to, if it's possible today to talk about both how we help our kids sleep, Mm -hmm. especially those who struggle with sleeping and uh, talk about how we help ourselves sleep because uh, with all the stress and the hardship, I wouldn't sugarcoat it, hardship that we have to deal with in our daily life. It's sometimes very hard to just like remember how to relax and fall asleep. Yeah. So uh, Alma, do you have any stories or Oh, you know I do. And I gotta say, Iris, you seem a little tired today. You're not your energetic, you know, wild self. What's uh, going on? Thank you. I, check in. Yeah, I, I have no excuse oh. for it, but I do have a migraine right now. So it's very hard to kind of like, ah, okay, rock it <laughs> as usual. Yeah, because, I know. Uh, but uh, I have to say that um, now uh, that I do get uh, help during the night, the frequency of my migraines decreased dramatically because uh, that's great. I, I used to like get them a lot because I, I wouldn't sleep night after night after night and it was horrible. But nevertheless, it's uh, I, I find it like the right day and atmosphere to talk about sleep deprivation because I'm in that zone today. All and right. I, physically remember the agony of, of what it was like <laughs> you have to remember the agony to appreciate the most days now of no agony with the sleep so i'm glad that you're getting some some uh a little bit of a break from that um so i will start off give you a little break so you can you know take a little cat nap while i'm talking um so with our situation with prater willy syndrome and um this seems to be very common, but also a lot of people I've spoken with who have kids with autism, this is this is an issue, waking up incredibly early and waking up through the night. Um, just having that whole circadian rhythm thrown off. Um, for for Prader-Willi syndrome, a lot of people have sleep apnea, which is a real problem, and it's exacerbated by the obesity, which is prevalent in, in you know people with, with Prader-Willi syndrome. My son is not obese, but he does still have some sleep apnea. Um, so some uh, issues that have arisen over the years, they're much better now because he's more self-sufficient, but when, in, when he wakes up in the morning, 
but um, when he was younger, it probably lasted till maybe six or seven, he would get up so early. He would get up at like five in the morning and we had to get up with him and he would want breakfast as soon as he got up. So it was just a horrible wake up call um, in the mornings. And, you know, it's really hard not to get upset and frustrated with your kid when they do that. Um, and as we all know, it's not our kid's fault. We can't blame them, but it's natural and normal to be annoyed and frustrated because when we are sleep deprived, it is really, it is just one of the worst states of mind. You can't think straight. You have, you know, very little patience. Your threshold for chaos and anything that could be potentially upsetting is just, the threshold is low. So it is so vitally important for mental health, for physical health, uh, for weight loss, or just to maintain a healthy weight to get enough sleep. So um, I just want to put that in there, interject that, um, that it's very easy to to get upset with our kids. So we have to really try hard, like with everything else, we have to try really hard to um, work with the sleep deprivation and do everything we can in our power to not be sleep deprived. So one of the things could be going to bed early, which I'm, I'm just going to jump right in and say, I always hated when people said that because the only time that we have some freedom, especially when our kids are younger, is when they go to sleep. So we take advantage of those nighttime hours and we don't want to go to bed that early um, because we want to enjoy our life um, in the evening or with our partner and watch TV or, you know, do other things. And um, it can really, um, you know, cramp our style, but it's the most important thing to get sleep. It is so important. So if you can do that, just go to sleep and try to get on a on a better rhythm and then in the mornings you know if you're going to wake up really really early with your child um maybe you can shift how you used to do things i mean a lot of the things that we talk about in this podcast are about shifting gears and maybe you were not a morning person before but guess what you're going to have to become one because if you don't you're not going to get any sleep and you're going to be a miserable person so and whatever you can do to shift gears to make yourself a morning person by just forcing yourself to go to sleep and we'll talk about some some strategies to get to sleep that you know apply to anyone who has sleep issues but i'll start off with that um also um well i'll save the later years you know for after iris talks but iris i hand i hand the mic to you all the way across the country to michigan thank you thank you <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> it so i i wanted to say that uh, one of the i think injustices in uh, being a parent to a child with special needs is the way that society maybe you know expects people uh, that have kids with disabilities to continue to function and uh, give their kids the best care, and in addition, the best therapy services, and all of that without giving them a moment to rest for once, and the privilege of sleeping like a normal person. And so many parents are just like stuck in the cycle that they don't get the help and support that they need to just stay healthy. And as you mentioned, with the... Um, the, the moment that the person is sleep de deprived, and I know it physically because I've been there for so many years, so many of our normal function is decreased that there were many days in my life that I, I felt like, uh, you know, they released me on the road as a drunk driver and now I need to just 
drive as a mother, continue with my daily activities of taking care of two young children. And, and I'm, I'm not there. I'm just the only thought that I had in mind is just sleep. Like, what can I do so I can sleep that I cannot bear any additional hour of being awake? And I had so many days that my only kind of uh, focus was just counting the hours until I can go back to sleep. Yeah. And then I would go back to sleep. And the moment that I would fall back asleep and I would like finally kind of get the, the to the zone, you know, to, to rest, I would be awakened again and again by my daughter who had hair needs that uh, she also needed to sleep, but she needed help to, to be comfortable and to deal with pain and spasms, etc., etc. And uh, the, um, the place I think that I failed most as a mother was at night because uh, I, I just, there were nights that I'm embarrassed to say, but I'll say it out loud for everybody to enjoy my misery, uh, <laughs> that I would just like cry while caring for her and begging her to go back to sleep. And she would see the state that I was in and she would start panicking and crying. Luckily, 90% of the time when I got to those low points, I had my husband around to kind of like shift, uh, switch shifts with yeah. me and, and help out, although he was also kind of like already done. And uh, it can be like the lightest cold, you know, her nose is stuffy and then the whole family doesn't sleep for a week. Uh, but when my husband, for example, would be on business trips and I was on my own with the kids, it was absolutely like dangerous. And uh, the fact that we now have help during the, now, the night, I think really saved our family from, from a catastrophe. Like this could not have ended up well. And uh, when I'm saying that, although the episode is about like sleep solutions that you can use for your child and for yourself uh, at home, I want to reiterate to all the mothers and fathers who are listening right now um, to do anything within their power to get help so they can sleep. Because uh, th this is uh, really, uh, as they say in India, the difference between hope and despair, but it's really the difference between like having a life or not. And uh, mm -hmm. it, it's crucial. And uh, I, as I'm now like a few months into having a nighttime aid for my daughter, and I'm still learning how to sleep because it's it's a skill. I, I really forgot how to. I used to like have a night aid and run to the bathroom eight times a night because I wasn't used to just like uh, sleeping during the night. And I'm still having um, some challenges in this new regime that someone mm -hmm. else is caring for my yeah. daughter. But uh, I, I really want to encourage people. This is the place that we need to obviously put a lot of uh, advocacy skills and, uh, and, and really, really try to to help the system acknowledge how impossible it is to leave a person on their own and then expect that they continue to live life and care for a child with a disability during the day. Yeah, and and I and I you're making me remember that a few years ago I read an article that said that most of the car crashes that happen are from people who are sleep deprived. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... lose lose it on the road, lose control of the car on the road because they're sleep deprived. So this is a very serious issue. Um, and a lot of people just naturally have poor sleep, you know, in general. So you add on to that um, the inability to catch up on sleep because you have all these tasks that you have to be on top of. It is it is the recipe for disaster. It really is. And for a medically fragile person, it is 
it is a matter of life and death sometimes to yeah. to be able to you know be in in a state where you're clear-headed and can there help is, them there is a reason they use sleep deprivation as a method of torture because it yeah. is a torture and when it, it's a little bit different when a person has difficulty falling asleep uh, on their own etc there it's quite different when you finally let's say reach that deep sleep stage and you are being awakened time and mm -hmm. time again and it's yes. not where your body needs it it's just uh, it's torturous i i have no other word to describe it yeah uh, and, and i think that um uh, that being said uh, there is still a lot that we can do to help ourselves before we get like rescue from outside sources and yes do you want to like start with some methods that you found or should i start mm -hmm. Sure, sure. So, you know, we, we always talk about safety on this uh, podcast and how important that is. So a lot of people who have, you know, typical children, but a lot of people who have children with disabilities have, um, they wander, you know, they wander around the house. And if a child is not sleeping properly, which um, it, we might be having difficulty sleeping because we're worried that the child is going to wake up and you know if the child is is ambulatory we'll be walking around and we'll could fall down the stairs could leave the house so it's really important just so you can be as you know calm as possible to be able to fall asleep um to always have everything secured in terms of you know staircases like we had to put a, a gate you know at the top of the stairs so we didn't worry about lincoln waking up and falling down the stairs and our other child who used to sleepwalk the same thing we had to put up you know a gate um we've talked about this in upper, other episodes but making sure that we have um, alarms on the doors making sure that the kid can't leave the house because that has happened to us um, in the middle of the night to go out and um, get food and uh, we didn't know where our son was at five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning um, and so we have to put things in place in our own home for me because of Prader-Willi syndrome and the danger of, of food um being available we have to have locks on our doors we have to make sure that everything is locked up so having to you know we don't want to have diffused responsibility for those kinds of things in the house meaning that somebody has to be appointed to make sure that that door is locked so that could be a point person in the house or it could be part of your nightly ritual to make sure that you know the alarm is on the doors are locked the gate is up whatever it is that your child will require to remain safe throughout the night that's really important um i for you know from a personal standpoint and i mentioned this i believe in another episode i was so tired when lincoln was an infant because i was getting up in the middle of the night having to feed him with a tube because he had a g-tube in his stomach and um i was feeding him breast milk through a tube holding it at four o'clock in the morning and i fell asleep one time and all the breast milk i only woke up because the breast milk had had fallen on me so that was a real indication that even while feeding my child, I passed out, I wasted that precious breast milk that I had pumped. And um, I, I later found out from my friend that I could get an automated digital machine to feed him at certain times during the night. That changed my life. Just like you, Iris, talking about um, being able to finally get help throughout the night 
I, this, having this machine that nobody told me about, that I found out from a friend, no medical provider had told me about it. Um, I didn't find out till he was four months old. So I had four months of waking up and not like nursing where you just get up and you can be half asleep as you're nursing your baby. I had to be, you know, completely awake to be able to do this. Um, it was, it was torturous. And I got, um, once I got that machine after four months, it was absolutely life-changing. So it's important to find out if there are devices, you know, to help you be able to stay asleep. Um, getting a CPAP for yourself, if you have sleep apnea for the child, if the child has sleep apnea that's waking them up in the middle of the night, that they have that extra oxygen. So those are some things that we've, we've had to deal with. Um, in terms of us getting to sleep, I'm going to, you know, talk about all the normal things that people talk about who struggle with sleeping. So it's really important as much as, you know, we want to catch up on our social media or, you know, TV shows or just responding to emails at night. It's really important that we do not get on a device right before bed. And I forget if it's a half an hour or an hour or 45 minutes before you go to bed, but it's really important that once you go to sleep, um, you are you are in your bed to go to sleep or wherever it is that you sleep and that you separate um, you separate the tasks that you need to do from your bedroom. So they say, you know, don't go to sleep in your living room, you know, with the TV on. You want to have a separate space where you just sleep. So don't do activities in your bed that will require a blue light from a computer or a phone. It's okay to read and reading is a great way to get tired. They do have apps that um, are meditation apps that you can listen to and it will, that's something that I find really useful when I'm a little, um, you know, wired before bed and I really know that I need to get to sleep. I will listen to, they have meditation podcasts that are free on YouTube. You can also pay for some of them if you like them more. Um, there are some good ones out there. You can, you know, look around and test out different ones, but they go through every part of your body to do a, a, a meditation um, to relax every part of your body. And they really are effective for a lot of people. Drinking is not a great idea because that can really help you fall asleep, you know, drinking alcohol, but it can also disrupt your sleep, as many of us know. So you might wake up in the middle of the night and that's not helpful. Uh, I will say now that it's legal, gummies and um, smoking pot. I'm not a fan of smoking pot because I don't think it's good for your lungs, but if you can take gummies or a vape pen. Um, you need to explain what gummies okay. are because a people gummy like is <laughs> Okay, a gummy, like, gummy is an edible. I'm sorry, an edible. Edible uh, marijuana or edible CBD that has a little bit of THC in it can be very effective in helping people fall asleep. And these are, you know, there's a certain amount of THC that's legal everywhere that um, that that people are allowed to take in food items and in edible um, edibles, but they can be extremely helpful in falling asleep and a lot of people are taking advantage of those now. There are medications, Lexapro um, and Celexa and Prozac. These are all um, 
medications that can reduce anxiety and uh, that that rumination that we sometimes have thinking about all the problems and what we have to do tomorrow and it really can keep us up especially if you have a complicated life or really extreme situation at home no matter what the situation you know it's very possible that you're going to ruminate um, something else that i found find very helpful for me is um, having a little book next to my bed so when i think of something like oh my god i'm scared i'm not going to remember that i have to do this in the morning i keep a little book next to my bed and i write down whatever it is that comes to mind even if it's like a cool song lyric that i just made up with um or a topic for our episode i write it down in this little book because then i know it's there and i'm not going to forget it if i don't write it down it's going to stress me out and i'm not going to be able to fall asleep worrying that i'm not going to remember the next day so that's the you know another another strategy um monitors and you know a lot of these things are what we do when we have a, a new baby you know a, a typical typically developing baby having a monitor so if we're concerned about our child we can literally just look at the monitor or have it audibly you know on so that if there's a problem we're gonna know um reading as i mentioned having doing exercise not right before you go to bed but you know a few hours before bed is is very helpful to help you calm down and to to be able to to rest more uh yoga obviously is a very helpful um strategy technique to to calm our bodies down and it's really more the yoga i think means breathing so learning how to breathe slowly and to breathe properly can be really useful in in calming our whole system down before we go to bed so that's something else that we can do um let's see i think i've covered most of them that i wanted to cover i might think of some more as you're talking iris but that's those are some some strategies that that i use that sometimes work and people that i know use yeah these these are like great strategies i um you know i kind of think that maybe i should talk a little bit about how to create the time or the space that you can actually go to sleep for people mm -hmm. that don't have like <laughs> that don't have a problem falling asleep they just need the where they need to sleep <laughs> yes yes so uh, uh, because all of your suggestions are great and uh, i uh, uh, you were talking about a few things that i wanted to recommend anyway but uh, what do you do if you don't have when to sleep? Um, mm -hmm. So what I wanted to suggest is that, uh, first of all, the first area in your life that you probably need help with is the sleep. Find someone who can help you um, have the time to sleep and take care of your child in a way that is not disturbing you, that mm -hmm. you can complete one or two full uh, sleep cycles without interruption. And uh, I don't know if it's a, a relative, a friend, a paid professional, a, an aide, whatever you can do, but uh, you need to find out the time that you can sleep without interruption. And that being said, uh, it is nice to be able to sleep during the night. But if you cannot sleep during the night, find an alternative solution and guard it with your life. So yes. what I mean is, for example, we had um, in the earlier years, we were able to like pay for an aide to come and be with our uh, children in the morning. Uh, both our kids obviously didn't go to any school or childcare center because we did unschooling, but still I needed to sleep. So between six o'clock in the morning and noon, I would be asleep. The door would be closed and 
most of the time I would not be interrupted and my husband would be at work and the um, babysitter would be with the children. And that being said, sometimes I would be tempted, like they would, I would call the neurologist and they would say, yeah, you can be here uh, next uh, month at uh, Monday, nine o'clock. And that's like the middle of the night for me. And because I was a young mother, it's like my daughter's care is more important than my sleep. No, it's not. The most important thing is the sleep. You need to sleep to function. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. encouraging all the parents out there if you do decide on an alternative time that you're asleep in, this is a holy time. You do not touch it. There isn't anything more important than that because this is again, the difference between life and death. I and mean, I'm not being uh, like sarcastic or this is really important. So uh, all doctor appointments and other activities can all wait and uh, do not interrupt your own sleep. Everything else can wait. So that's one thing. The other thing is that there's lots of solutions to kind of create a child's safety in a separate room. You can have, a, as you said, a room monitor. There are bed tents that you can kind of close and know that your child is safe. But I'll give you a simple example with Karen, my daughter. She has an overactive ATNR, the asymmetric tonic neck reflex, which means that when her head is turning one way, one hand goes straight and the other hand goes here, okay? But the hand that goes up here in the archer reflex, ATNR is also referred to as an archer reflex, the hand that is straight would stay uh, open and the hand that is up here. Uh, when you're saying up here, just for people who are I, listening, yes, behind uh, your head. Be behind your head would grasp and she would grasp her own hair and start pulling. Oh. Now oh. she'll be in pain, right? And uh, yes. and she can't do anything to release it, but turning her head. And then she mm -hmm. would like rip off like a huge chunk of hair of oh. her own head. So our daughter could not be left in a separate room, in a separate bed. And the solution for us, and uh, this is what we did for like almost, almost uh, 13 years, um, is that she would sleep in our own bed. And uh, this... Uh, sounds to some people as an outrageous solution and not acceptable, etc. For us, it gave us the liberty to sleep a little bit more calmly, knowing that she's next to us and we can wake up from the uh, slightest sign of discomfort. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, I want to encourage people to forget about like societal uh, limitations and to forget about what is considered to be normal in other mm -hmm. homes and other families. You need to focus on your own child and your own a mental state what would make you feel more comfortable so you can sleep and i have to say that in our situation because of sometimes if we sorry about that if we did not approach um, approach like a a situation and when it was kind of just warming up because we didn't hear that she was uncomfortable we would wake up already to a screaming child that is in pain and to realize in a nonverbal child where is the pain exactly and what we need to do that would turn into a half an hour fiasco in the middle of the night mm -hmm. and it was easier to like have her right next between the two of us between my husband and myself so we could hear what's going on yeah. then there is another thing that a lot of people told us so many times my husband and myself that we need to find quality time so our relationship <laughs> can flourish and i'm just like what are you talking about we're in the middle of world war three <laughs> whatever it's kind of ironic to say these days but 
Oh yeah, but uh, at the end of the day, um, it's not the. It, this is a you know having quality time with your husband is a good thing, but it's more important that the two of you continue to be two functioning adults. You would still love each other, but it's more probable that you'll be more tolerant to each other and be in a better mood when you just feed the kids or sit together for dinner and uh, without having that quality time in the evening after the kids went to sleep because you do also need to sleep and mm -hmm. there are a few years and we spoke a little bit alma about uh, you know welcome to holland and about yeah. how the journey looks like for parents of children with special needs and the reason that i don't like that uh, analogy is that it doesn't always feel like okay we didn't land in paris we landed in holland and the views are also beautiful here and there is good food you sometimes the first few years with your child you are in the middle of a war zone you don't know who's for you who's against you when is the next attack going to happen and mm. it's really really scary and I'll, I'll say that also that I used to serve in the military because it is mandatory in Israel. And uh, you were talking about spilling the milk on yourself. And it reminded me that during the, our military uh, service, we would have like drills and days that we wouldn't sleep for so many hours that people literally fell asleep standing like poof, you would see wow. someone falling asleep like that. But still, this wasn't as horrible as my experiences in parenting because there is a difference when after let's say 36 hours without sleep you get to sleep for six mm -hmm. or seven hours uninterrupted mm -hmm. then having not slept well and for four days in a row every time you fall asleep someone wakes you up again and again at the worst time and you're just out of your mind it's yeah. uh, it's hard so sleep whenever you can uh, whenever you can sleep and mm -hmm. don't mind anything else find it, all the help and resources that you can put into anything else, put them into finding time to sleep and, uh, and let everybody else in your life know that you live in a different time zone, maybe mm -hmm. in, in relativity to, to others and protect, protect the sleep because uh, th with, without it, you cannot exist. Yes. And you reminded me, turn your phone off. Oh, yeah. When you go to sleep, put on Do Not Disturb because you might be, get that time to fall asleep. You might actually fall asleep and then your phone wakes you up. And then so that's something very simple that can be done. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, sleep is a tough one. I mean, it's a tough one. And uh, it can it can, you know, we'll get to our uh, episode about sex at some point. But. You know, sex is typically if a couple is together, they're going to have sex at night when the kids go to bed. Um, and I know from many people that uh, this can become a very big issue, especially if one of the people in the relationship is the main caretaker. The exhaustion is so severe, can be so severe that there is no room for that um in that person's mind all they want to do is sleep and you know i heard in a book once sleep you know when you have a child or a new baby or a child with a disability sleep is your lover <laughs> like that is your <laughs> lover so that can cause a lot of marital issues as well as many of us know and if one person is absolutely not on the same page so there needs to be a time to um to find time for that maybe during the day or to 
you know, get someone to care for the kids so you can have your private time elsewhere, you know, out of the house if you can afford to <laughs> get out of the house um, with money Sounds or like your time. <laughs> What'd you say? Sounds like a familiar trick, Alma. I it wonder. sounds like a familiar <laughs> trick, and um, but it's a very important one to think about because it causes a lot of marital tension and uh, or just relationship tension. If if um, one partner wants to just sleep, which is totally understandable, but it might be seen as a as a um, as, as an abandonment of the partner or. Um, you know, some it, it, talk about it decreasing your libido, being exhausted. I mean, that is huge. That's huge. So all of these things need to be looked at um, because the number one goal is to be able to sleep so that we can function. It's like eating food. We need to eat, we need to sleep, and we need to breathe. And if we cannot sleep, we're forget it. We're gonna we're gonna be useless or close to it. Yeah, I wanted to say something about the sex yeah. portion of it. I'm just like, oh. if there is one uh, kind of uh, side of the couple that has enough energy to have sex, they, they need to do allow, more work. Yeah, they, they should <laughs> allow the other partner a good night's sleep, and then maybe the other partner would be on the same page and be interested in sex too. But other, mm. otherwise, I'm just like, there is some inequality because usually we, we on, on the difficult weeks, we both didn't want to have sex. It was just like we wanted to sleep. <laughs> I can guarantee that. But um, maybe there is a bit of an equilibrium that is not maintained. If one partner is like up for activity, <laughs> when the other one is like, I'm dying here. And I yes. wanted to say something. Uh, we talk about food and, uh, and sleep and all that. You can survive without food for a few days many less days without water. How would it sound like if someone would give birth to a child with a disability and the government will say, from now on, you'll need to continue to take care of your child without being allowed to drink? This is the only analogy that I can think about because you mm -hmm. cannot survive more than three days without water and you cannot survive with, you know, more than three days without any sleep. So this is what is happening to so many families and yeah. I, I invite people that are suffering from a severe lack of sleep to just write uh, on our group or write us in an email because i really want to harness the power of numbers to do something to like really do some activism around the sleep because this is an issue that is close to my heart i feel that our life was in a way saved because we finally got the help that we were fighting for for more than six years now in a row. And uh, and, and, and that's through the state she's talking about, getting yeah. the, the state to pay for, for help for families that are in this kind of a crisis, which and it is a crisis. Yes, and, uh, and and I keep on getting calls from other parents in similar situation. I, I'm just wondering what can be done on, on a, not a national level, but a multinational level to just raise awareness to this because you cannot accept people to exist without drinking and the same goes mm -hmm. to sleep. Yep, it is yeah. true. Um, I, that's all I've got. I mean, well, I'm sure we'll be talking about this issue in other episodes, but um, the main goal I think that, that we want to convey is that you need to do whatever you can to be able to sleep and that it's not indulgent to take a nap because a lot of parents are made to feel um, like it's an indulgence. But if you, we require sleep and some people require a lot fewer hours of sleep 
Um, we all vary a little bit in that, but we all need a minimum of sleep. So whatever it takes, that really does need to be a top, top, top priority. And I want to just like add one more thing before we really close. And, and that is that there are probably parents here that are listening and they're like, okay, our child actually sleeps well through the night, but still I feel so exhausted and I have to take a nap myself in the middle of the day and they feel bad about that. Listen, people, our lives are very, <laughs> very stressful, very stressful. We deal with, with um, both like... Um, daily challenges that other parents don't deal with. We deal with a lot of challenges that are related to the disability that there is like insurance companies to deal with, doctor's appointments and other things that by itself can make a person exhausted. And if you can have another nap during the day and if you do need to sleep more than the recommended eight and a half hours and you need to sleep 10 and a half hours, allow yourself to sleep. We have so little, I guess, uh, pleasures in our lives as they are with our children. So if you can sleep, sleep. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And make sure that you have cozy beds with the best sheets you can get for the money. I buy a lot of sheets at thrift shops, like really good quality sheets, and uh, they don't need to cost a lot of money and it makes a big difference. So make your bed the most wonderful refuge that you can. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. Uh, that's it for today. And we hope you've learned something. Please share with us in the comments if you'd like to add anything that we've forgotten or don't know about. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, Iris. Thank you, Mama. Bye. Take care. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.